2024. Well, not actually welcome back to 2024 because we haven't actually experienced 2024 before. But welcome to 2024 and welcome back to the Gold Coast Titans Frontline Podcast, the biggest damn world Titans podcast that has ever damn well existed. And this is the year that we absolutely rock and roll it, man, because we started this podcast up. Obviously, my name is Blaze from BK Sport and I'm here with Dane from Club. I can't even speak on now, bro. <laughs> I guess this is because it's the first uh, first time back, so you know I'm, st- I'm I'm getting back into it. But we're here with Dane from Clarkie's Rugby League, Colin. Man, how are we doing, mate? Really good. There's a really great feel around the club at the moment. Um, we've you know last year we experienced a, a great level of success with our women's side, our men's side. Not the results we wanted, but I think that everyone, as a Titans collective sort of fan base. For the first time ever, I think like we can finally see the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but I'm just seeing photos of desert training and I'm hearing the players talk in the media. He's majestic, that guy. He's majestic, man. They're saying his attention to detail is something they've never experienced before. And then you look at the best sides, like a Craig Bellamy, where attention to detail is everything in a coach and stuff like that, man. And I don't know. I've got a really, really great feel about this season, and it's a feeling that I've never had before as a Titans fan. I'll be absolutely honest. I've never been this excited. I 100% agree, man. Especially, you know, like, and I was actually saying as well, the first half of... We, we started this podcast up halfway through last year. So we've never really been able to actually talk about the positives going into a year on this podcast. Uh, we've never really been able to talk about the positives because by the halfway point, we kind of had a pretty good idea with where we were as a club and, and what was going to be obviously happening. Um, now, we've, we've got a really good start to this year with Desi Hasler coming in, as you said, and it really is starting to kind of hit home now that we do have an experienced coach there. The players are starting to, to really buy into it. We saw what Keita Palacia said the other day, saying, I'd peel oranges, oranges for Desi if he asked me to. You know, this is a, a club now that we're seeing that the players actually want to play for the coach and will, you know, die for playing for the coach. You know, and as much as I love Justin Holbrook and I love Justin as a bloke, we've said this a million times, the results weren't shaping up for him. And unfortunately, we couldn't wait any longer. So I have to, you know, believe in what Stevie Mitchell and Dennis Watt have been doing, you know, to set us up into a position where we want to win now. We don't want to, you know, to to say a, a great quote that I actually learned from our CEO, Stevie Mitchell, is that we don't want to be resilient. It's not about being resilient, because if you're resilient, that means you're just continuously getting punched and you're continuously getting hurt and finding a way to get past it. No, we want to be relentless, man. That's what we want to be. Mm. We want to be relentless and where people know that we are here and we are actually a competitive team and winning relentlessly. So enough of this resilience nonsense. Let's be relentless. I love that from Stevie. Yeah, that has to be actually one of the coolest quotes I've ever heard in terms of really any sport. You could put that in the context of any sport and it would sound cool. The fact again from our CEO is really cool. One thing that's also got me fired up is a, a lot of, I'm not sure if it was Fox Sports in particular, so I don't want to say it was them, but I believe it was one of one of the media companies out there um, already predicting us in the bottom four. Um, and I think that's a little bit silly. I know we did finish there last year, but we had a lot go wrong and... I think this year there's a lot of clubs that will realistically be below us. Um, we'll get into our ladder predictions. We'll get into a range of predictions in this podcast over the uh, the months leading up to the season. We're going to go in-depth on rookies, rep in- international eligibility, um, players that are pushing for positions, players we think will debut. All of our predictions are coming. Um, we're working on them in the background. But I want to go back quickly to Des Hasler. 
I'm going to give you a list of all the Titans coaches we've had, excluding interims and, and caretakers, etc. And I want you to rank them on their toughness or zero tolerance approach. Like, you know, yeah, that Garth coach Brennan's that going is... to be last every single time. Just want to throw this out there. Uh, Garth Brennan's yep. going to be last every single time. So just write that one down, pre-order it, pre-stamp it. Now let's get on with the list. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I feel like Garth kind of got walked over by the players a little bit and... I'm not sure what the saying is. I think it's like the cellmates are running the prison or something like that. I feel like that occurred to a certain extent with players that are no longer at our club, but I don't want to get too negative, so I won't, I won't mention them. Um, Desi Hasler, does he rank first? Well, we don't know really yet. Uh, I think that on his reputation, yes. like On, on yep. his reputation, like Desi Hasler is a guy that will probably top every single one of the lists. But I also do think that you know Neil Henry doesn't get as much of a rap as he probably should. I think that the Jared Hayne fiasco and situation really negatively impacted his tenure with this club. Um, but I also do think that Neil Henry was probably one of our better coaches that unfortunately is quite subtle because people don't talk about it because of the way that it ended. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Well, my top, for my top five, I'd go this and tell me if you disagree. Number one, Des Hasler. A lot of that is reputation-based. Mm-hmm. Number two, Neil Henry. I'll get into exactly why in a little bit, but I completely mirror what you're saying there. Uh, number three, John Cartwright, because I think he had to sort of build the club from scratch and really had to have a hard edge about what we were doing to be taken seriously in such an elite competition. Uh, number four, Justin Holbrook, great coach, um, but I just think that maybe the players, maybe the players didn't view him as that really hard-nosed figure that's going to crack down on them. As um, I think some. Pl- yeah, as a mate or a good friend or, or a mentor, but not that person that's going to be really hard on you. I'm um, at number five. I agree. Garth Brennan, I think that definitely the players, um, they respected him, but they, I think some players, you know, I'm going to say it. I think players like Leilani Latu, Bryce Cartwright, Tyrone Peachy came to us and thought they can cut a few corners hmm. uh, because they have all been, Leilani Latu was improved in the Super League. Cartwright had one of his best seasons last year when he didn't take shortcuts. And Peachy's also revived his career at the Panthers where he looked good this year. They didn't look the same with us. So that's my top five. Why I've got Neil Henry in second, though, was I don't know if this is 100% accurate, but what I heard and what I was told was he didn't actually want to sign Jared Hayne. The Mm. NRL subsidized part of the contract and said, you need to sign him because we need him back in the game. And at that stage, we were owned by the NRL and they obviously want to sell tickets and membership so they can boost what the Titans are worth and then sell that company, being the Titans, privately for a larger amount. Now, if that's 100% accurate or not, I don't know. It seems like it's pretty accurate. But prior to that, man, Neil Henry had a great culture. We had a pretty average roster in comparison to other teams, and we still performed and fought really, really well. And that was the era that I really fell in love with the Titans because we didn't have those superstars through our side, but everyone turned up for each other. And that's what I loved about the culture Neil Henry bought for us. So I've got him at second. Any changes from you to my top five? Uh, yeah, I, I'd say my top five would be uh, based off of the reputation so far. Yes, I would say Desi Hasler. I would agree with that 100%. You know, the, the guy uh, has been to, you know, five grand finals with Manly. I think he won two of them. Um, you know, is it five grand finals? Or has he just been to five grand finals in total? Sorry. Um, well, I, can comp- I know definitely he's been in four and won two. Because um, he was with the dogs with for two. two with doggies. And then yeah, he won in two... Well, he was in the grand final 2013 against the Roosters as well with Manly. So, no, because there would have been the mm. 2009... 2008-40-0. And... Uh, what, the 20, 2007 as well. 2011. Now, yeah, oh, 2011. 
Yeah, DC's rookie year. But against I think the Warriors, 2007, I, I think Melbourne beat Manly. 2008, yes, but they were over the cap. They were over the cap, so there was no winner. 2008, Manly beat the Storm 40 nil. Then yep, 2011. So he would have been... Oh, he wasn't the, the coach in 2013. So it is five, yeah. He wasn't the coach in 2013 because mm. he was at the Dogs then for the 2012 and 2014 Grand Finals. So he did win the 2000, uh, 2008 and 2011. There you go. So, yep. yeah, based on that, um, I, I definitely have Jazzy number one. Number two, it is it is up for debate. Um, I still probably would say John Cartwright is second. Um, and the only reason I would say John Cartwright is second is because he got us to the preliminary final in 2010. Um, the closest that we've ever gotten to. I understand that we did win the wooden spoon in 2011, but with that being said, you know, 2010 was such a massive, uh, massive year for this club. And, you know, he was our inaugural coach that built through with us. And then unfortunately, it did kind of collapse towards the end. But as we've seen post-Titans, Johnny Cartwright's been a great assistant coach at the Cowboys, at the Broncos, uh, who was the grand final assistant coach last year, wasn't he? Yep, with the Blues this year as well. He's highly regarded as an assistant coach. And yeah, 2015. He was with the... Oh, was it 2015 with the Cowboys? Yeah, alongside um, Paul Green, I believe, if I'm not mistaken there. Um, so he is a great assistant coach. I would love to have him as an assistant coach. But uh, at the end of the day, I think that you know the Titans, unfortunately, just got to that point as a new franchise where they didn't have the depth to cover the original signings that they had in Scotty Prince, Luke Bailey those kind of guys, Anthony LaFranchi, as we're starting to move down the line. Um, so I would still have John Cartwright second. Third, you'd have to probably lean with Neil Henry, as you said. Um, you know, it's between him and Holbrook, but Neil Henry was unfortunate with his tenure rather than Holbrook, who looked promising but didn't deliver, is what I would say. So I would put Neil in third, which is controversial, but I, I, I do think that although he ended off his tenure in 2017 really poorly, that was because of what you said in regards to Jared Hayne signing when we didn't actually want him. Um, but unfortunately, as you said... Or need business, him. Or need him. We, we, we were going to make the finals that year anyway. We actually exactly. lost more games towards the back end of that year due to the Hayne situation coming in, messing us yeah. around. We still made it, but we only made it that year because the Raiders beat the Tigers at Leichhardt like 52 to 6 or whatever in the last game of the season, if people can remember that. We weren't going to make it. Because um, I think we lost to the Cowboys when we needed to beat them. So, you know, people forget about these things. Um, but at the end of the day, you'd have Neil Henry probably third, Holbrook fourth, and then fifth, I'd actually have Jimmy Lenahan. I'd have Jimmy Lenahan in fifth. Yeah. Even though he was. Oh, did you say no interim coaches? I said no interim or caretakers, but I'll let you bend the rule for your top five. Well, because the last one, there'd only be five actual coaches, wouldn't there? Yeah, yeah. Then there's been like Luke. Well, then it would have to. It would have to um, be Garth. It would have to be Garth Brennan. Then, um, yeah. but with that being said, like I would want to put Jimmy Lenahan in, just simply because, like, if I think you'd put Jimmy Lenahan in too, though, um, to be to be unless would you put Bird in over Lenahan? No, I'd have Lenahan there if, if I included interims and caretakers. Beat the um, I feel like we had some awesome so wins and performances exactly with Jimmy last year, um, compared to Garth Brook, which was just a. Uh, yeah, it's a time that we don't really look back on fondly. Uh, I, I will tell you this, actually. I'll say that the funny thing about Garth Brennan is that whenever his name gets brought up around the club, and, and by the way, we're not disrespecting Garth as a human being. We are disrespecting him as a coach, personally. But as a, as a human being, we're not saying anything about this guy's character or who he is as a person. Um, but whenever Garth Brennan gets brought up around this club, and I'm not going to name names because it's everyone, that's a collective groan that I hear. And it's so funny, man, mm -hmm. because everyone has that same viewpoint like, they were some dark days, man. Like, they they yeah. were some dark... 2019 
for me was the worst year. It was way worse than 2011. Mm, yeah, I was, would actually say 2022 is worse than both of them. 2020 or 2022? No, I'd say 2022 is worse than both of them. Would you disagree? Oh, no, no. That wooden spoon season was horrible. At least last year we had some moments to really smile and remember, right? No, 2022, not 2023. 2022. Oh, sorry, 2022. That was the um, year that we had high expectations after the Roosters' loss the year before, yep. which we don't talk about that game, um, yeah. which you forced everyone to talk about on your buddy Instagram yeah. and socials. Yeah, yeah, how dare you? Um, no, but then we, we were so positive and believing in the team. 2022 was going to be a big year. We had a young core. We had the Brimdog Millionaire in the six, Toby Sexton as the seven, Aaron Clark, Aaron Clark as the nine, and the fullback was JC. And that year was just awful. Like, it was just yeah. absolutely awful. I would put it on par with the 2019 season. And the thing is, the 2022, that affected all Titans fans, but I'm actually seeing it affect sort of Toby Sexton a little bit to this day. A lot of Bulldogs fans mm. still aren't fully on board with him, fully don't rate him. A lot of people asking, I saw the um, um, the guru the other day say, should Drew, or could Drew Hutchinson start over Toby Sexton? And I don't think that's a question. Um, I think Toby is definitely the Bulldogs starting seven mm. next year, but I think people remember him largely from that 2022 season and think, Maybe he he's not that good as a halfback, which is just not true. We just weren't good as a club. And the last as ever play that Toby Sexton made for the Gold Coast Titans, he won the game against the Dragons this year. Just want to throw that out there. The last ever play he scored a try at Seabuster Stadium that mm. you know won the Titans a game. So just throw that out there. And but didn't you I have the try assist to... on the sideline? The uh, try assist on the sideline there making Zach Lomax miss. <laughs> Was that the right, same game or is that a different one? I think it's it was the same, same one, It's the same it? game, Dane. It's, it's, we'll it's, give it's, you an assist <laughs> from the sideline then. Hey, KR, the assist from the sideline. He's missed it. That is, that is the same game. Um, and it's funny that we have round one against the Dragons, which we haven't been able to speak about until now uh, because our first game of the season is against the Dragons at Seabus Super Stadium. So, and that's going to be AJ's 100th, by the way. I'm really going to try to get up for that game. I want to get you and I custom t-shirts that say like Brimson 100 NRL games and wear them. I'd love to get it signed by Brimson after to remember the moment. AJ Brimson has been my favorite player for the Titans since the moment he debuted. So it's really cool for me as a fan as well to see him hit this milestone. Um, also, Isaac Liu, do you think in our side come round one? Because I only say that because it'll be his 150th NRL game if he is there. I will. I, I, I'm in a right this second. I'm in Fiji, so and I've been here since you know December fifteenth or whatever. So I haven't been around training. I haven't been around the boys at all. Um, I'm not going to speak about obviously private conversations that we have on on uh, the podcast. But with that being said, like I don't know enough about kind of what this team situation is until I get back and I'm able to look at training. Um, with that being said, like when I'm at trainings. I'll still only say the things that I'm allowed to say um, at the end of the day, but because that's for the benefit of our team, guys. And ultimately, yeah. we want our team to win. So I'm not just going to come here and start spruiking that this is our team, this and this and that. But um, you have a pretty good idea for what's going on um, when you're there. So you can kind of start giving hints and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, man, uh, I think that we've got a better lineup without Liu personally. Uh, but I do think that Liu is a really important figure for the dressing room to have because he is really... To me, like, he was great at the Roosters, but it's just, he obviously hasn't turned it on here. Um, but I know the boys all respect him really, really strongly. So I know it's a, a, a milestone game for him, 
But I will say that we usually suck in milestone games. So the less milestones, probably the better. Um, because we do not have a good track record with milestone games at this club. Well, speaking of milestone games, fingers crossed we win these ones. Round 21 against the Dolphins. If Foz plays every game to that point, he will play his 300th NRL game. Less than 1% of NRL players make that milestone. Foz. We need revenge on the Dolphins. Yeah, I was going to say, Foz, I love you, mate. I love you. I love the Foz. But with all due respect, I just want to beat the Dolphins, man. Like, I'm oh, sorry. I'm not even thinking about the milestone. Just give me the win against the Dolphins. Man. Yeah. Imagine we win in, like, Golden Point and everyone's like, yes, yeah, so we, we, we won against the Dolphins. And it's Kieran Foran's 300th. Like, the 300th is such I a I think it's at Suncorp, though, isn't it? Oh, I haven't looked at venue yet. I just grabbed that off the Titans. I'm pretty certain it's up. at we Suncorp. Live, I, don't, but... I don't think we have it at, um, at Seabus. Yeah. Such a shame. I'd love to have a home game for that. Um, that would be awesome for Foz. Um, as I said, less than 1% of NRL players actually do play 300 games. So yeah, when well. you sum it up in that regard, it's literally amazing that not only do we have him at our club, but he's able to achieve this. Um, and round 11, that will mark Tino for Asuomala Aoi's 100th NRL game. I'm not yes, sure. Yes, that's that at home. Is. Oh, no, that's Magic oh. Round. Oh, that's Magic Round. Oh. Well, I'm coming to Magic Round this year, so I will be there at least. So that's awesome. And round um, 21 against the Dolphins is at Suncorp. Why are our milestone games both at Suncorp, mm. man? Get out of here. Yeah, that's, oh, uh, if, that, um, that's disgusting. Actually, if Foz does not play, if he plays every game except for one game this year, um, up until that round 21 game, he'll play the Broncos at home at Seabus the week after. Wait, so you're saying he needs to miss one game and then he'd get a home? A home? Yeah, because, well... Oh, yeah, because he can't play Manly. If he misses one game before round yeah. 21, he would be on 299 at Dolphins and then 300 against the Broncos at Seabus in round 22. Mm. But it's so unfortunate because we play Manly at Brookvale the week before the Dolphins game. So he'll be on 299 games the week before when he plays his old club, which would have been really nice and respectful if we had played you know, Manly on his 300 yeah. at Brookie. That would have been really cool. But, you know, unfortunately, that won't, it's not to be. Yeah, that would actually be really cool for Foran because I'm sure, like, deep down, he's still got some level of love for Manly, given that's where he started. His career and has spent the majority of it. But at least he gets to experience it with Des Hasler, who's always been his main mentor. Um, mm. So I'm really looking forward to those milestones next season. That's something that's really exciting to look forward to. I will say Which... something here. Sorry to interrupt you. I know you're about... you probably had a really good transition just then. Um, yeah, but I, did. <laughs> I, I will say... We haven't played Cronulla on the Gold Coast for a while. We don't usually play Cronulla on the Gold Coast, but we actually played Cronulla on the Gold Coast this year, which is pretty cool. Um, mm. Which is... For me... Oh, oh God, I just realised we play Newcastle and Newcastle, but not, not the Knights at, at Seabus. And for anyone who doesn't know what that means, do you know what I'm referring to there? Yeah, yep. Yeah. So we always lose to the Knights in Newcastle by a big margin, but we always beat the Knights at Seabus by a big margin. Last year, we played the Knights in McDonald Jones Stadium. This year, we play in McDonald Jones Stadium, but we don't play them at Seabus, only at Magic Round at Suncorp. Unbelievable. I think it's like the last 13 encounters with our clubs, the home side's won. Maybe it's last 12, but it's, it's building up to a big number where the home advantage seemingly does matter um, with our two teams. To my previous Bridgeway, and this is one that um, I, I think Titans fans won't find this one so interesting as other rival clubs do, but it's the Brimson, Kinney, and Campbell situation. Mm. And from all the analysis I see of our club done by external media, it is how does Des Hasler fit all three into his side? 
the obvious first question for you is, do you have all three in our best 17 come round one? No. No, I don't. Um, wow. No, I don't. I, w- I want to. It's so hard. It's such a good dilemma. But no, I don't. Um, I think that the 14, for me, probably is Tommy Weaver, which unfortunately takes wow. out Keanu. Um, like, if you put Keanu in, he had... Like, what position besides fullback does Keanu play? I'm not sure if he's ever played on the wing or anything, but he does seem... Like, he played a little bit of hooker in Magic Round, I remember, but, but that was done to wing injury. Depth, man. Like, look at how much wingers we have. We have Phil yeah. Sam. We have, um, you know, Tony Francis coming through. You know, we've even, even Shubi goes there at times. Uh, we've got Loffy. You know, we've got... We've got such good wing depth. Like, and Keanu is a good friend of mine. I love Keanu. I'll back this guy into the end. But I don't see how right this very second he gets in. I know he's a very patient lad. He's very, very patient. He loves his club. Um, I've actually, we'll be chatting to him in the coming weeks. But um, I don't know where Keanu fits. Now, also, to speak about JC, if he doesn't get the fullback spot, then where do you put him? Like, where, where, where yeah. do you put JC? Because he's not a centre. He's not a 5'8", in my personal opinion. Foz is there. And I personally believe if Foz is not there, you chuck AJ there so that you can put JC as the fullback, right? Um, so there is that, that thought process there. And JC, he's not really a 14 because he doesn't play many other positions, man. So for JC, he needs to play fullback. And he is a good fullback. But with AJ, he can play one, he can play three, four, and he can play six. So, you know, I personally believe that Desi might be actually leaning an inkling towards AJ, but I would personally like to see JC as the fullback and then AJ included. But I also know, I spoke to somebody up who I can't... I don't know if I can say their opinion, but I spoke to someone the other day and they believe that AJ is an elite fullback. And this is a big content creator who is not a Titans fan. They think that AJ should be the fullback and is an elite fullback. So, I don't know. It's a really, really tough dilemma, man. And I love all three of these blokes. But with that being said, at the end of the day, I want to win the comp. So... Desi knows best. These boys know that Desi knows best. And that's pretty much how it is. What's your opinion on it? Well, I did search it up while you were talking there. And I can confirm that Kinney has never played any position but fullback at NRL or uh, Queensland or Cup Burley, level. Yeah. yeah, so I'm not sure about lower grades. If he has played wing center, that, that information I couldn't find. But Do you um, have him for... above Tommy Weaver in the 14? I do, yeah. So the way I'm going to look at it is I'm going to go Campbell fullback. I'm going to go Brimson center. I'm going to go Kenny 14 and Chris Randall as my 15. Now, I know typically clubs wouldn't carry two utilities off the bench, but I just feel no, that they're, yeah, they're completely different utilities. Like, you're never going to play Chris Randall in the backs and you're never going to play Kenny in the forwards. Do you remember a few seasons ago when it was clear Ryan Puppenhausen was too good to be out of the storm side, but Jerome Hughes was still their fullback? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was when Jerome first came over from the Titans, wasn't it? Oh, I think it took Jerome uh, a few seasons to get to that point post-leaving us. But I guess the point I'm making is they were too good. It was too good to leave him out of the side. And I think Kenny is, if if he's not at that level now, he's going to be at that level by the end of this year, right? Um, And so I think he has to be the 14. I think we just get him in early and keep building up his experience and reps in first grade. The reason I'm going AJ Brimson at centre and I completely agree he's an elite fullback. It's just for his versatility. And he's almost a victim here because if Jaden was a really good center, I'd have it the other way. I, agree, I just don't yeah. know if Jaden... I just think Jaden's a little bit small defensively in that front line. 
Well, um, that's why he to, can't to fit to the five eight because he's targeting the five eight there. So he that's why fullback is kind of his only position because he'd get targeted in the five eight. Exactly. I mean, let's just imagine um, I'm a Rabbitohs playmaker and I identify the Titans are short on one side. I'm running Keon Kolamatungi directly at Jaden Campbell. And even if Jaden makes that tackle, there's an offload opportunity there. Minimum, there's a quick play of the ball, right? Um, and so there is a little bit of a liability there just because Jaden is one of the lightest players in the league. Um, I think he was like the third lightest when I looked at it the other day. So Brimson's a, a victim of his versatility, given that he can play in the centers. And when I look at Brimson as a center, I think like a Matt Burton, where everyone knows he's a half or in this case a fullback, but he's just playing there because that's where it makes sense for the team. Um, you know, like Matt Burton when he was at the Panthers, everyone knew he was a half, but it didn't make sense to play him over Jerome or, or Cleary. Dane, can I can I pause you for a second? Mm-hmm. I want to make sure of something. <laughs> You're gonna love this, Pat. You are gonna what? love this. We're live. <laughs> oh, we're live on YouTube or something. We are. Li- I I clicked on live stream. I didn't click on recording. So I've just seen so, that we are live right now. <laughs> I can see it too. Yeah, dude, when you said I'm going live, I thought it was just like a play on words. I didn't mean that though. I meant to click recording, not go on live. <laughs> well, I mean, this is kind of cool. Hello to everyone that's here live. Appreciate you being here. We didn't know you were here, but we're happy you're here. Um, <laughs> hello. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just a little bit of a surprise, but it would have been funny if, like, I got up halfway through, I'm like, sorry, my dog's barking or something like that. Well, we're going to end this live stream, guys, and then we're going to take this live stream and put it across to the podcast. Um, just quickly, Parramatta Eels947 says he should have been picked in the charity match. Um, I will be in the charity match, just not in the actual game, but we can't announce what is happening just yet. Sorry, guys, we are back. Uh, we just had a uh, very funny thing happen. So we were talking, and... For some reason, I, I, I wanted to go onto the streamlabs where we record from, right, to check how long we'd been going for, and like we're going for like twenty six minutes or so. But I realised that I couldn't see the time, and I saw it go live, and it was already live. And I'm thinking, hold on a second, we're not meant to be live right now. We're recording, and then I went onto my YouTube and realised. We are actually live, so we're not live anymore. We had to say bye to our audience. Um, welcome back to the podcast. You won't notice much of a difference, but if you're on BKR Sport, guess what? You would have been in for a nice little teaser treat with what's happening. So, um, <laughs> where were we, Clarky? <laughs> where were we before we went live on BKR Sport? Mate, a malfunction, but a funny malfunction. And I mean, we had a solid amount of viewers there too, so it's not as if people were watching us like, what are these idiots doing? They were actually, I assume... They were talking it, in the chat. Me. I'm looking at the chat. Yeah. They're, they're talking in it. Asking questions as we were there and stuff. So maybe that's something we can consider for the Gold Coast Titans frontline podcast audience. Do we want a live show in the mm. 2024 season? It's something we'll consider in the coming months. But where I was at was um, I just made the Jaden Campbell... Um, thoughts as to why I wouldn't play mid center, and it was that he was a bit light and could be targeted by big back rowers. Uh, and then I was giving the example of Matt Burton when he was at the Panthers. Everyone knew that he was a different position, he wasn't a center. And I think it's the same as Brimson next season. Everyone will still know Brimson's an elite fullback, but he's playing center because that's what's best for the current situation of the team. Um, EG Matt Burton, it doesn't make sense to play him in the halves over Luway or Cleary, but. He's too good to leave out. So you put him in the centers and you make it work. That's where my mind goes. So to recap, I've got Campbell fullback, 
Brimson center, Kenny 14, and I'm still carrying Chris Randall as a utility in the 15 jersey. But I tell you what, man, it's a great problem to have, isn't it? Oh, man, it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic problem to have, kind of. Right, because it is a great problem to have in the sense that we have quality players fighting for position, and at the end of the day, that's what you want. The negative is, is that this could blow up in our face because if we don't make the right decision, then we more than likely, and I'll be this is the, the, the brutal, harsh reality of this situation, is that if we don't put JC as fullback, he's a guy that wants to be a one club player, loves his club. If he doesn't get the fullback, he probably does go. You know, because we can't fit him in anywhere else. He can't be our 14. Uh, he can't be in our centers and he can't be in our halves. Um, because I just think that, yeah, he will get targeted in the 5-8. I think he's a great fullback. But, you know, the harsh reality is that we might also lose Keanu. If we don't put in 14 and Tommy Weaver does get the 14, right, then what happens with Keanu? Uh, because I know he wants to be in this club and he's patient. But with that being said, like, as, as much as he may love the club, this is his job at the end of the day. And he wants to be playing footy. And he wants to be playing regular footy. Um, so although he's patient and respectful, he's a very good kid, uh, he wants to be playing. So, you know, and then there's AJ. I don't think AJ goes anywhere. He's obviously been here for a long time, wants to be here, loves his club, he's a part of the culture. Um, and I do believe that he is very willing to play wherever he's told, um, but he can play multiple positions. So that's his benefit. You know, if we don't have that great centers, he will slot in alongside BK. If we don't have the 5'8", after Fozza, then guess what? He'll slot in as a 5'8 and do a good job. I was on doing a rankings video today for the channel where we did our 5'8s, 5'8s, and I'm not the one who put AJ in quality. It was Supercoach Experience who said, I think AJ Brimson is a quality 5'8. So I was like, I'm not going to say no to that. And then the fullback, he's a fullback by trade. So, you know, and even at the end of the day, you want to play him in the 14. You technically could. You don't want to do that. He's too good for 14, but he can play there. So that's the benefit to AJ's that he's versatile, but it could all blow up in our face. The way I look at it is if we do play him at centre, he's still in that front line. Yes, he's one wider than when he's a 5'8", but when Kieran Foran does retire, possibly at the end of this season or next, then you transition him straight back into the halves. And, I mean, it's 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 really it sounds like Matt Burton at the Panthers, right, where he was a centre temporarily and shifted back into the halves when it made sense uh, for a new club, whereas for AJ, it'll make sense for the same club because that position would open up. So really, really exciting time having them all all there. I wish there was just a simple way where it just worked magically. Fortunately, there isn't. Um, the only way, sorry, <clears throat> the only way that it can work is if JSC is fullback, AJ center, and Keanu is 14. I just don't know if Desi is willing to put a 14 as a guy who is specifically a fullback. We saw Keanu play a bit of hooker when he was uh, coming on the Magic Round game against the Eels last year. Mm. Uh, but with that being said, he's not a hooker. Um, you know, we've got Chrissy Randall there who can back in for Sammy Verrills. Um, and that's the that's the benefit of having Chrissy Randall there who can be your forwards utility. And that's why you need a backs utility. Is Tommy Weaver a backs utility? I'm not necessarily sure either because he's probably only a half. I wouldn't say he could be in the centres or fullback or anything like that. But he is a guy that, um, you know, you want in your team as well because he's just such a tough guy. We saw some good stuff from him at the back end of the year. So, um, yeah, lots of big questions for Desi. But Desi... This is what Desi's known for doing. He knows what to do. And whoever benefits, whoever gets the fullback is the right man for the fullback. Because as we've spoken on this podcast before about, when Desi was the coach of the Bulldogs, Ben Barber 2012 happened. When Desi was the coach of Manly, Tom Trebojevic 2021 happened. So he knows fullbacks. So I trust whoever he goes with as the fullback. Two things that really sprung out to me there is, I guess, number one, 
to look at the other side of the coin to how I'm, I'm looking at it. Attack's not really our problem. Defense has always been our problem. Carrying a, a specialist fullback as your utility doesn't particularly help defensively. But to counter that, I would say Des Hasler has always been a coach of the time. I remember when he was the coach of the Bulldogs, he had a very big forward pack, Eastwoods, Cassianos, Tolmans, Pritchards, etc. Because that was what was required at that time. You could Aiden really Tolman slow well. down the ruck. Aiden Tolman, exactly. A big boys where he knew, I've just got to slow down the ruck because the referees don't want to blow penalties at that stage of the game. That's how you get the good sides. Sitting on the sidelines the last few years, maybe Desi goes, okay, well, the way to really win games now is speed. And that's why I want Kinney as my 14. So there's... A lot of question marks, but I think I speak for all Titans fans when I say we are so excited to see how this puzzle all fits together. Mm. Speaking of excitement, I'm going to go to my most exciting moment so far this preseason. Now, I'll go to you after, so have a think. I'm thinking more cliches and something narrow, nothing too broad like, well, Des is in charge because we're all excited for that. Mine was um, News Corp. They did a fastest, fittest, and strongest for every club. And our fittest was listed as Bo Fermor in his return from an ACL injury. That really, really excited me because, you know, typically in the past, the NRL physio would always say it takes a season for a player to fully recover from an ACL and get over the mental hurdles and get back to their best. Modern science shows us Patrick Carrigan overcame it, made his origin debut, um, and I believe he was the Wally Lewis medalist that series. So it definitely can be done in your first season back now. And when Bo was listed as our fittest player, my first thought was, well, he's not just getting back into it. He's literally the fittest at our club. He's He is at the front of the pack. And that's so exciting for me. So that's what I'm going to say. Did anything jump out for you? Well, Bowie, that, that would be the most exciting one. But to, to differentiate a little bit, I would say something as simple as Keenan Palacia fronting the media and saying, I will peel oranges if Desi asks me to. Because that is a sign that the players believe in the direction of this team. And reminder, Palacio wasn't signed under Desi Hasler. Palacio was signed under Justin Holbrook, um, but has come in and is completely brought into the culture. And, you know, this team going forward, I just want to see this team actually have a bit of something-something when the going gets tough. And if basically what they're saying is, us as players, we will do whatever it takes to win with this team. No, we will do whatever Desi tells us. So he's believing in the direction of what we're doing. And that's something that we haven't seen for a very, very long time. People can believe in what Justin Holbrook was saying, but I don't know if the actual genuine kind of... <laughs> people can believe, but there's no the, the genuine belief necessarily isn't there simply because um, there was no guaranteed evidence based on the past, right? So I just think that simple comments like that, although it's just, you know, one of our players saying that to the media, it just shows a lot of respect that is had for the quality that Desi brings. And I'm not hearing many complaints. I'm not hearing any complaints, actually. All the players have actually bought into the point where, I'm not going to say who that I'm talk like I talk to and whatnot, but the players are all excited to actually go and learn from this man. So it's simple comments like that that correlate with what I know as well, that these guys are actually excited for this rather than the nonsense that we were hearing in the media that none of the players wanted this, which people were surprised by the exit, but they were not they're not unha they were never unhappy about the actual person coming in. That's true, and I mean it is possible to have belief but still doubt mm. and 
I think that that doubt's now removed because the players look at Des Hasler. They have an immense amount of respect for him. They can see, uh, based on the past, that the results and the evidence is there that what he's telling them to do does turn into results on the field. And sometimes I think the hardest thing with change in life is when you can't see what's the purpose. Like a new boss comes in at work and says, okay, we're going to do things this way now. All the workers are kind of like, well, why? It's worked this way in the past. But when the boss comes in with the precision and the experience uh, that Des Hasler has and he comes in and he says, okay, now we're doing things this way, then it seems like the players are like, okay, we're doing it this way because that's how you win a premiership because he's won a premiership. Yeah, He is our first coach too, man. It's like a genuine out-and-out first-grade coach, right? Because Well, I want to... Go on, say that, say that. Well, John Carr, I don't believe he had first-grade experience before us. If he did, it was limited. Neil Henry, very limited as well. Garth Brennan, New South Wales Cup, had, Justin yeah, Holbrook, man. Super League. Yeah. So it's really Des Hazard is our first out-and-out NRL coach we've ever had. And I think and that's I, where the belief comes from. I want to clarify for people as well, because I had someone today tell me, they were like, oh, well, you know, well, Des, he's been sacked from every, co- every club he's been at for performance. And I said, well, that's not true at all. Like, I, I don't believe it's true at all. Because you, the, the the most recent sacking at Manly was because of the organisation and the inclusivity nonsense week that we saw that blew up because the Desi was backing in his own players. He was supporting his players' beliefs, their religious beliefs, that they were saying, we're not going to play this week, you're throwing this at us, we're not going to play. And Desi backed them and said, well, I didn't know either, and we didn't want this either, so... You know, what is this? And he's come out against the organization. The organization's said, well, you can't do that, and then got rid of him, right? But the, the year beforehand, the Manly came into the prelims with Tommy Trebojevich. And then that year that he got, you know, sacked from Manly, that was a really, really big game against the Roosters that week. Whoever won was in the eight, right? So they were competitive. They obviously ultimately lost. They got, they got flogged, and then they fell apart. But that was because of that. And then if someone says, oh, well, 2021 only happened because of Trebojevich, well, guess what? That's Desi, because Desi also has the track record from 2012 with Ben Barber. So you've got two fullbacks at two different times at two different clubs that Des has been the coach of that have had two of the three electric seasons with Jared Hayne in 2009. So there's evidence there. The Bulldogs 2012-2014, in his first year, he got a club that was nothing into the grand final and then got them in it again two years later now, they got flogged in that game, but at the end of the day, two grand finals in his first three years, the contracts were back-ended, so he did get kind of sacked late on for the, the way the club was going. But with that being said, if you win a grand final, you don't really give a shit about the end of the, you know, the back end of those contracts. If we win a grand final in the next three years, you can back-end contracts for the next 10 years. I won't care, because I want that one premiership, right? At the end of the day, you want a premiership. And then you go to Manly, it, well, it couldn't have been sacked due to you know, um, performance there because he won a premiership in 2011 and was in the Bulldogs in 2012 and then took him to the grand finals. So whoever's making up this nonsense that Des has been sacked because of performance everywhere he goes, it's just a blatant lie. Like, it is just a lie, whoever's saying that, because you can't tell me that either Manly ones were performance. Maybe the Dogs, but still, he got him to two grand finals. And even with the Bulldogs, like back-ended deals were legal at that point. They were allowed via the NRL salary cap and he was taking advantage of it. Um, how the Bulldogs managed that from that point of his exit is Des is partly responsible, but there's also a board that sits on recruitment and retention and approves all those contracts. Mm. Des Hasler didn't go over to a player's house with a contract, say, sign this and, and everyone come back to with the club. Without the board, no way. Like, oh, yeah, Absolutely. Exactly. So it's it's stiff to try to blame one person there. I don't agree with that. 
Um, but I, I want to end on this positive for our, our last topic in our return podcast. Keenan Palacio, you mentioned him before. He is undoubtedly our key signing this year. How does he fit he's into our He's our only best signing, to be honest with you. I think he's our only yeah, signing, isn't I, I he? Think he I, I think he's our only top 30 signing, yeah. Um, but it, it, either way, with given he's coming off a final series where he was awesome for the Broncos um, and played in a grand final, I think no matter what, he was going to be our best signing. I'm really excited to have him back. There's a few different options here. I'll rattle a few off. Tell me which one you like. Do you just bring him off the interchange? Because that's where he played so well for the Broncos. Do you revert Moeki Fotuaka from the interchange to ensure that we keep that momentum when Tino comes off or Policia? Or do you move Tino back to lock and start with Policia and Fotuaka? A few different options there. You like any? Uh, I see Tino as... I see Tino as a front rower. I, I, I love Tino, but I also think that sometimes the captaincy can get to him. Um, and I'm not saying to take the captaincy away from him, but I'm just saying sometimes the captaincy can get to him. I think that if you add in the lock, then that you're adding in a passing game. And if I think that the captaincy can get to him at times because he's going to have to think extra about that kind of stuff, I think if you're adding in something else, that's going to even make it even harder, right? So that's why I like him. Just run the ball straight, run the ball hard, lead the, the, the guys from the front because that's basically what a captain does, lead the, the, the team, right? That, it's just as simple as that. Um, so I wouldn't personally put teams a lock. But I also do think that our lock is our biggest issue, right? Is one of our biggest issues right now. Uh, because we don't really know... We really don't really know that situation at all. Um, is Isaac Lee going to get it? Obviously, it, maybe even Palacio. But Palacio's not really a ball-passing player either. Um, so I really don't know. If push came to shove... You know, because I don't... I love Ez, Aaron Clark, but I also don't know if he's our guaranteed... I, I don't mind off the bench, but I'm not really a massive fan of him starting at 13. Um, if push came to shove, yes, I'd probably put Tino into the 13 because I know he can do it. He's played Queensland as a lock. He's done... He previously was a lock, but I don't want to move him from the front row. So if push comes to shove, I put Tino 13. Um... Right this very second. I wouldn't be surprised if Desi gives Jacob Arlick a go. I would not be surprised. But then again, Jacob Arlick didn't even start for the Papua New Guinea Kummels against Fiji in that final game. So that's what concerns me there. Love Jacob, but he didn't play. He didn't actually start for, for Papua New Guinea in that last game that they won. But he did start in the game that they lost, and he was in the back row. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a great question. What would you personally do? Yeah, Jacob had limited minutes, which was strange as well, because you think Holbrook would have had that soft spot for him, given he yeah. was the coach of PNG. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for policy off the bench, just as a minimum disruption sort of policy, where we keep our starting side together as much as possible. Our bench is jam packed though, man. Like it is jam packed yeah. right now. But I just think that if policy and Jamin Jolliffe are injected into the game at the same time, you're getting that size from Jamin that kind of matches Tino. And you're getting that energy from uh, Palacia that matches Big Mo there. Where I did feel in 2023 when Tino and Mo were both off the field, we really did take a step backward in the middle. And that's when other teams were able to get that momentum over us. Um, whereas I feel if we have those two coming off, I'm confident that if we're not winning the momentum in the middle, we can certainly hold our own there. And that's I will say really for me. Jimmy was injured for a lot of last season that doesn't really get talked about. Uh, he was yeah. injured for a really solid amount, to be honest. And he is a huge part of our team, Jimmy Jolliffe. He's a, he's a workhorse. I remember in the preseason, 
you know, everyone was saying, oh, look at this guy. He's actually played amazing. I'm like, well, yeah, this is Jimmy Johnson. Like, that's what he does. Um, and then he got injured. I think it was in the Tigers or Drag. No, I think it was the Tigers, Leichhardt, first game, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then we didn't see him for, you know, like 14 weeks. I don't think we saw him to like round 15 or something like that. And then played a couple of games. I think he got injured again, if I'm not mistaken. Or I could be crazy, but... Uh, oh, that's right. Against the Dolphins. Yeah. When he hurt his thumb or something like that, wasn't it? Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, I think he, he, he knocked a thumb the, injury. Yeah, because he knocked a ball on. And we were like, oh, man, that was such a basic knock on. But then we found out it was his thumb. Um, and that's how... And then the Dolphins obviously went on to controversially win that game. Um, but, yeah. like I, it, Jimmy Dolph was injured for a lot of the last season. People don't talk about it. So, I don't know. People... Injuries are part of the game. But with that being said, we also did have a lot of injuries in the first 10 to 15 weeks that season, like the Bulldogs. But everyone wanted to talk about the Bulldogs because they're a team that has a fan base that just doesn't stop talking. But with the Titans, there's only, you know, with all due respect, guys, content creators-wise, there is only realistically most of a Kalaki. So we can't kind of, like, splurge out the news. We need you guys to really get behind this team publicly and just you know, tell everyone that we're struggling for injuries at the moment because people don't listen. They don't watch enough Titans games otherwise. They'll watch Bulldogs games because they're a Sydney team, but they won't watch enough Gold Coast Titans games to know that we're struggling for injuries at points. So, you know, uh, you know, I, I see some good Titans comments here and there, but, you know, we need to see our fan base really starting to get rabid and start to, to really, um, you know, show that uh, when we're going through tough times, Tell them why, you know, because that's what the Dogs fans do. And then people are like, oh my God, they've got so many injuries. So do we. That's my thoughts. No, completely agree, man. Any support we can get online is absolutely crucial. I think the best way to sign off our first podcast back is definitely saying thank you to everyone that's here for our return podcast. We absolutely appreciate that, whether it's via audio or video. But another thing we want to say is we we understand 99% of our viewers here are Titans fans. And what we'd really love to see this season is to expand the front line. That's who we represent on this podcast as well as the Titans. And if you call the Titans membership team, you can find that number on the Titans website. If you Google Titans memberships, um, you actually tell, ask them on the phone, I'd like to be included with the front line. They will be able to organize that for you. And of course, it doesn't have to be a full season pass. It can be flexible so you can pick the games you want to go to. There's so many options for our membership this year that it would be a real shame if people didn't take advantage of that and so i know you're a big advocate of getting to the games and supporting as much as possible there you went to every game last year there's no bigger <laughs> advocate for it um but yeah if our viewers uh, are considering or on the fence we'd really encourage it and we'd love to see you on the front line there next year so if we could offer any advice check out the titans membership packages there's a lot of variety there and mention the front yeah. line if you'd like to sit with us as well 100%, man. Yeah, you know, we've got the drums, we've got everyone partying. It's a, a loud atmosphere, man. And, you know, we have been speaking about it in the off-season as well. Like, you know, even people who aren't in the front line specifically down there, we've noticed that no matter if we're behind the post where we used to be like 10 years ago, or now we're on the sideline of the 40-meter line, which is beautiful for the kickers. Don't you worry. Uh, just just us, every kicker, realistically, what they think of Seabus uh, on the eastern side. Um, but behind us, people have started to really fill out behind us. If you look at the areas of the stadium, I know that that's the middle part, but it gets really jam-packed towards where the front line is, which shows that even if they're not in there, they still want to be a part of it. So join in, get amongst it, let's sell it out, let's make it loud. We've got flags, we're going to be organising stuff before the season started to really um, you know, get as much you know, signage and whatnot. And honestly, the front line is one of the biggest, if not, well, I wouldn't say the biggest, but it is one of the biggest and it come, when it comes to 
the supporters across the league, like the Burrow, like the uh, the uh, Chook Pen, there's the Kennel for the Dogs, uh, and realistically, it's only us four. It realistically only, is only us four, but and and yet we punch well above our weight. So. Guys, join the front line. Uh, I know a lot of you guys out there are thinking about coming to a game. Um, so, you know, call up membership and get around it because Clarkie's going to be there round one. Obviously, I'll be there, as you guys know. I'm there. I'll be at every game this year again. I'll be at every single game. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a big year. But absolutely, call them up. Love it. Thank you very much for being here, guys. And we will see you next week on the Gold Coast Titans Frontline Podcast. We'll be looking into our entire top 30 roster and seeing every single potential representative honour a player can achieve. And then we'll talk realistically how close they may be to achieving that honour. So thank you very much, guys. And we'll see you back next week. Cheers. We appreciate you guys. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. We've got some players that we're... That we're uh, Bring it on as well very, very soon. So do keep in touch with that one. Um, and obviously, if you're here on YouTube, like, subscribe. If you're on Spotify and Apple, give us a nice little rating there. And uh, if you've got any questions, drop them in the comment section. And if we can get to them, obviously, it's going to start to get really busy, really busy towards the, the, the season starting. Uh, but it's good to be back. Good to be talking about footy again. And good to be talking about the Gold Coast Titans, the greatest team that ever damn well existed. All right, guys, we appreciate you. And we'll see you next time. Touch you.